Radio Mano Papachango. Motherfuckers, I just got back from a yoga class. Do I sound relaxed? Calm is my heart chakra in alignment with the blue moon. Fuck. Yeah, it's a good class, good teacher. uh, But still, there's about um, 80% too much uh, philosophy let's call it for my taste i don't know i i need to find a yoga school for curmudgeons i think i just i'm i'm not there to listen to your insights on the nature of consciousness lady i'm just there to stretch my hamstrings and anyway but i'm doing it largely because joe rogan always recommends it and he's right uh it's it's a good discipline feels good my body feels good for a couple days after I do a class so I'm doing yoga so if I if I start to sound uh, more chill than usual you know maybe I'm overdosing on the yoga but so far that's not happening I'm going once or twice a week no big deal Uh, this episode is with Michael Brooks I don't think he does yoga but he's a pretty chill guy he's a political commentator public intellectual internet personality i would say television personality but his show is on the internet the michael brooks show he also does uh he co-hosts uh the majority report with uh sam cedar i think i get the sams mixed up there are different sams but i'm pretty sure that's the right one um anyway we talk about it in the podcast so that will all become clear very soon i'm not going to go on very much here because i'm releasing two podcasts a week until I clear out the backlog, because I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven podcasts that are in the backlog, and new ones are coming in all the time. So I got to move these things through the pipeline faster. Um, I'm a little, the pipeline's a little clogged up because I'm going through trying to do a final edit on the manuscript of Civilized to Death. Very painful experience i have to say because uh my editor is very he's very sharp eyes he's a very smart guy um but he looks at the world in a from a very different perspective than mine and i think that's sort of becoming clear to both of us at this point uh i don't think he realized quite how radically uh out of the mainstream my views are and some things so I don't know. We'll see how it works out, how he responds to this final version. But I think, um, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't want to talk out of school. I'll uh, I'll keep you posted. And uh, within a, a month or two, we should have a pretty clear idea of where this is going. So thank you to everybody who supports this podcast, The Love of My Life. Uh, we've got about 820 Patreon supporters at this point, which is fantastic. Um, most of those are $1 a month folks. 
which is much appreciated and um it goes all the way up to uh 250 bucks a month albert my man thank you for that uh and there are you know people at all different levels so if you can afford that and you've got a credit card that's much appreciated if you can't afford it you don't have a credit card don't sweat it um you're welcome to be here uh, as I've said, I'm moving the Romas and the Tomas, not the old ones, but the new ones that I do from here on out. They're going to be uh, for Patreon subscribers only. So uh, I figure everybody can afford a dollar if you really want to hear those new Tomas and Romas. And they're going to start getting a little juicier, too. I think I'm going to talk more about sex and drugs. I've always been talking about rock and roll, but yeah, the sex and drugs. We're moving into some of those episodes soon. So anyway, if you're into that, those are going to be for Patreon subscribers only. That's it. Michael Brooks. Check him out. Uh, had a good time. Recorded this just a few days ago over in Silver Lake, which is sort of the other side of L.A. It's it's like if you live in a normal place, it's like driving three towns over in L.A. It's just going to the other side of town takes all fucking day let me tell you um but it was worth it hope you enjoy hope you agree and enjoy this and uh i'll catch you next time i'm gonna play you out with a tune called promised land by podcast listener ed dupa it's from his album tennessee night i really like this guy's sound it's very american but it's also uh not rah-rah Hey, hey, everything's great American, which is where I am. It's probably where a lot of you are. And those of you who aren't American, maybe you feel the same. Uh, one of the things I learned traveling around the world was that uh, almost everybody has a soft spot, soft spot in their heart for America. And they're as disappointed and, and afraid as we are at what's happening over here. Anyway, this is Promised Land. Hope things are good where you are.
And it seems so far to go But it's closer than you know So start opening doors And find out where they go Cause it's a long way down When the sky gets dark And the wind is cold Reach out, take a hand Drown I mean, what would I call you? Uh, a political a commentator? Political or? analyst, talk show host, podcaster. I mean, wow, a man of many hats. A man of many hats, yeah. but all basically talking. A media figure. I'm working. I think we're, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Why not? A public Getting intellectual. There. That's I think that that's huh? pretentious. You can't. You cannot. I'm a private that one. intellectual. <laughs> yeah. I, I just get real smart when nobody's around. <laughs> Keep yeah. it to myself, yeah. you know. In so my own, be, in my own view, I'm yeah, a public intellectual. Exactly. But boy, you should see me. Yeah. You should hear me. If Chris comments when no one's around to hear it, does it count as a commentary? I mm. think so. You it's know, I, I think it's it's a mediated man. It's a mediated world. If you've slayed people. In your own experience, yeah. they tend to do to bank yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's all it's all an illusion anyway. It's all an illusion anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, host. You're a host. Commentator, podcaster, whatever. YouTuber. Did you see yourself becoming a host, podcaster, commentator? Is this your? Well, I had ambition? no idea what podcast. I, it was my, it was definitely my host to be on mic and be on camera. Uh, Why is that? What you know? I have no. I did. I mean, partially just because. I have I'm I'm good at it and I had a sense that I would be good at it mm. and it was fun for me. Mm. So it was kind of basic. Good um, at at I'm good at talking, talking and I'm good at pulling people out in some ways. I'm right. good at sort of I also saw myself as a translator in some ways. Like mm. if I can take somebody like a guy like uh I interviewed recently this guy Adolf Reed who's this like Legend, you know, in my world, this is like legendary, brilliant uh, Marxist uh, figure who also came out of like Black Power movement and has just this incredible analysis of the world. And actually, in some ways, he's 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 not jargony, and he likes he speaks pretty directly to people. But you know, it's it's pretty high level stuff. Right. And if I can take that and get like you know, be like a cultural antenna for those types of ideas and translate it out to more people. 
Um, I love that. Right. I love that kind of activity. I love or or taking you know histories or movements that have moved me and I've thought about. I can I can uh, yeah translate them. I think about that a lot. I like that concept of translation. So I always wanted to do it. I didn't have the sense that I could do it in some ways. I I grew up very kind of off the grid and very poor, hmm. very counterculture. She said um, your mother's a yoga teacher. Mother's a yoga teacher. Was My she... dad actually did do radio, but oh. all, you know, community radio kind of stuff. And where'd you grow up? I grew up mostly in Massachusetts, mostly in rural Massachusetts. Western Mass. Western Mass. So oh. my family basically, they, they, they were bouncing around New York when I was a toddler, essentially like, I mean, I'm thinking of times in my life where I've like kind of like couch surfed and how stressful it was. That's like essentially what they were doing. So they were right. a fucking baby. With a baby. That's, I mean, oh my yeah. God, I couldn't imagine the stress of that. I think I feel the stress of that in some of my DNA, right? right. right. And, uh, and it certainly informs how I look at the world. But, uh, but yeah, they went up to Massachusetts and, um, and I was homeschooled. Total counterculture. Parsha was homeschooled because I was also like a behavioral problem in school when I did try to go. Mm. <laughs> so that, that helped, you know, like go to school and be a pain in the ass, you mm. know, better to, but so in some ways it was, it was great because there was a lot of like, you know, read this book, follow your instincts. And my parents were both certainly, you know, in some ways very creative and I shouldn't say in some ways that's just a, a matter of speech they were really creative people and they were open and encouraging particularly my mother is very politically sophisticated hmm. my dad is my dad's actually a great you know sit and listen to Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy records and mm. George Carlin and got yeah. that kind of thread from my dad. So, yeah. and I went and it encouraged me to go on meditation retreats and read books and really become like a kind of an interesting human, which I think we all could be, but we totally mostly don't get a chance you to get be caught in the machine. Yeah. It's really hard to follow your follow interests where they lead because you got a curriculum then you got to follow that exactly yeah. so but then at the same time like there was no money mm. there was a ton of instability and and a lot of you know i mean the the part where i i i'm pretty open about the kind of money stuff there was some other stuff that i just you know kind of respect other people's privacy and it was nothing yeah. like super dark or anything but it, in a lot of ways it was just it was very unhappy in yeah. a lot of ways there was a certain freedom and flex but there was a ton of stress ton of cortisol and a lot of you know just wasn't happy and so i started kind of thinking like and i and i always knew that i wanted to sort of i was very particularly at that age it was i was in my teen years i was kind of obsessed with succeeding in the normal roots like i'm not interested in going off to some sub pocket and having a make-believe world i want to run this world you know mm. i want to be president i want to be so whatever right normal for a kid who's coming out of such an alternative world totally yeah. totally normal i think super healthy and and also in some ways things i've really kept up with because i was like i want like i, I talk about this all the time with the stuff I'm involved with now like i want to win I'm not interested in like uh, you know my sort of politics or whatever, like making a statement or showing how enlightened we are. I want us to take over and you know give everybody health care as an example, right? So uh, yeah, but I, I ended up 
I ended up getting my way into a into into Bates, which in up in Maine, which is a pretty quote unquote good school. So had small that liberal arts. Small total New England. Good SAT scores. They actually don't require SATs. That's their one it. radical thing yeah. that they did. They were one of the earliest colleges yeah. to not require SAT scores. I think I looked at Bates when I was looking at colleges. I, I went to Hobart, which is a similar oh, that's in the kind similar, of, kind of overpriced lane, right? liberal <laughs> exactly. arts. Exactly. And Hampshire College, which is near where you grew up. Hampshire is near. I took classes in Hampshire. Hampshire is way I mean, Bates was much more, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, a lot of people actually, a lot of people doing really interesting stuff, but really a lot of pre med law right. school, a yeah, lot of, you know, rigorous. very, yeah. Hampshire, you can major in like saving the whales or something. Hampshire's that kind of, I know people from, yeah, Hampshire was totally like, you'd meet somebody like, oh my God, this is the most brilliant person I ever met, or like, you know, this guy like, oh, you burned down your prep school and your parents couldn't, <laughs> you know, like hustle you into Yale. So yeah. you're here. And yeah. uh, you have access to good ecstasy, cool. Yeah, that's but. what Hobart was like. There were all these. I mean, I, I'm older than a lot older than you, I think. But I was uh, I was in college in the early '80s, and George Bush's niece was in my class. Oh wow! And her name, along with like the heir to the Spalding Sporting Goods fortune, oh, really? and you know, all these kind of people. They make tennis balls. Spalding. Spalding, they make every kind they of ball. Every, yeah, okay, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, sure, sure. Tennis racket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the son of the oil minister of Nigeria, you know, like that kind of, there were a lot of those people, yep, you know, yep, yep. voting for Reagan. <laughs> and I'm in like, you know, and I'm doing a lot of acid wearing tie dye and like they're all in the golf club. And I'm like, what am I doing here, man? Did you have a crew or were you? No, there, you uh, know, essentially my crew were professors. I hung uh, out with professors and uh, uh, because the professors were radicalized because yeah. Hobart had been a radical, like a bastion of radical unrest in the 60s. Like they burned down the ROTC building. Really? Yeah, they were set off a bomb and there was like... That's far out. Yeah, they were sort of into it. So did you, did, why didn't you transfer? Um, because what happened was I got all this attention from faculty and oh, because all the other right. students were such dipshits. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, they sort of recognized me as like, I got it. I was on the same wavelength they were on. And they were desperate for someone who heard what they were saying. And yeah. I became very good friends with the head of the American Studies Department, who was an out gay Marxist, right. you know. And, uh, yeah, we got to be really close. And then, um, yeah, and I met all these other guys. And. So, and women, obviously, but um, what happened was I ended up getting my degree in two and a half years. Oh, oh, perfect. So you just got out of there. Oh, okay. So you, yeah, yeah, you nailed it. No, that's great. I mean, I, I kind of was, I, but when I was in Bates, I mean, I was still so, I mean, to give myself credit, I mean, I essentially, you know, I, I got in there and I had a lot of focus and I did pretty well, but I mean, I was still, I was very split as a person yeah, and you know and I can really been. show like you know especially because you know basically honestly just because of how I look I could totally like you know put on a polo shirt right and people would think like oh you know there's another you know dude from some you know affluent family in Wellesley right. or something yeah I could pass I could pass for white exactly <laughs> it's not just a very particular brand of white yeah and uh, uh and white. yeah preppy white and I think that although there were but I still 
you know, I gravitated towards the radicals there and I had a really uh, serious girlfriend uh, at that time whose family's from India and uh, and I was would also go off and do all I was really drawn to like spiritual life in some ways so that was another thing of like you know wanting to like listen to Baba Ramdas and I did all these like I experimented with hallucinogens and all this other stuff and then on the other hand I had this just tremendous ambition hmm. and really like you know I wanted to to really and 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 I and I've actually I think that was great. You know, I really wanted to influence things, and I really what wanted to major? use my talent. I, I majored in international relations, and I studied also in the Middle East. I studied in Turkey, and mm. and I focused. My thesis ended up being on. It was kind of a little anthropological. It was like it was on comparative human rights, and it was like this. Actually, I feel like it might be something that might interest you. It was in. Uh, there was this whole thing. I guess it was in like the nineties. These guys, like leader, like the guy who founded Singapore, what was the name Lee Kuan Yew. I think yeah. his name was right. And so these these leaders in like Malaysia and Singapore would, they basically were like, they wouldn't even deny. They like, yeah, a guy spits on the street, we cane them. Right. That's a true story. It's not a myth. We do that shit. Sure. And we do it because. And there was this book that the uh, this uh, Singaporean uh, diplomat wrote. It was actually had a really funny title. It was called "Can Asians Think?" And it was this, you know, kind of. And the arguments that all these guys made were like, "Look, we have a different value system, and we value cohesion in groups, and fuck individuals just being right. able to like spray themselves all over the place. Right. So we don't care. And by our metrics, the fact that we're evolving living standards and cleaning up the environment and the fact that you know Muslims and Buddhists and Chinese and Mylai that we're we're we have community cohesion in these mm-hmm. places, and then I and I read it and I was kind of like, well, that's really interesting, but I also, you know, I'm still not into that shit, right? So what's right. but what's the answer that isn't either like total relativism or just like Western do-gooderism or you know whatever? And I found Amartya Sen, who I really dig, mm-hmm. who's this. He's this Indian economist. Oh, super, the microloan guy? I think he, he... No, I think... Was that Mohammed? He yeah. wrote this book called Development as Freedom. Yeah. And his, his argument was that we have to look... Like, development isn't just economic. We have to look at it in a bigger, more integrated way. And I and that was his bigger work. And I found a lot of it actually really... It was fascinating. It was super dry. But he had this book of essays called The Argumentative Indian which I really liked, and it's another great title. Yeah, and it uh, sort of fits in with the Canadians thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and it was partially intentional. It was Fucking res- Indians can argue. I'll yeah, tell you that. That was literally that was basically what he was saying. <laughs> and uh, and he and he said, and he responded to these guys, and he's like, "Look, the real answer is that every tradition in the world, African, you know, uh, uh, African politics." Uh, in the Upanishads, in every system, we can find the roots of power needs to be held accountable and individuals need to have access to the following things. It doesn't mean that it's always followed. It doesn't mean it's always lived up to. But his point was like, you guys are doing this bullshit and it's not even true of Confucianism, what you're pointing to. So you guys are, are hustling this one dimensional interpretation to justify your abuses. Mm. And then Westerners are kind of saying like, you know, Hey, if you didn't have good John Locke, you're screwed. And the reality is, is that 
these desires and expectations are there globally and they show up in different ways. So we need to think about how to kind of root, if people are interested in their rights being rooted in their traditions, that's fine. They just need to kind of think from that open perspective with inside their own tradition. And it was, it was a cool, and, and, and also that still open questions because it's like, you know, if, if you have a, a Buddhist flavored democracy as an example or whatever, you might still say to yourself, hey, we want free speech in terms of criticizing the government, but maybe like, is it sacrosanct that you advertise Red Bull to five-year-olds on their you know, TV programs or whatever? There's kind of interesting questions. So that's what I did my, my thesis on. I, I've read some research yeah. recently that pertains yeah. to that. It yeah. wasn't available when you were working on it, but yeah. Tanya Lerman, who's at Stanford, really interesting uh, researcher there. I've had her on the podcast. She's best known probably for having discovered that schizophrenics in different cultures, the voices say different types of things to them. The, wow. the content of what everyone hears voices and has the auditory hallucinations. But, you know, in, in America, the, the voices tend to say things that are very aggressive. You're nothing. You're shit. You, you should die. You know, right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, very, uh, a lot of self-hatred. Um, whereas in India, the voices tend to say things like, uh, today's a good day to clean the kitchen or, you know, you shouldn't, you should wow. you know, do the laundry. And That's it's like incredible. reminders for housework. And she, she studied three cultures. The other was Gabon or Senegal or something. Yeah. And what are they saying? Gabon and it, Senegal, uh, Senegal. It was, it was about, um, family, like taking care of your family and, you know, re, it, but it was right. more positive and, yeah. and yeah, also, yeah. you know, you look at the, the cultural response to schizophrenia in these different cultures. It's, you know, here it's a death sentence and in there, it's just like people take care of you and you get better. The, the rates right. of recovery are far higher in non-westernized countries yeah they are here that makes total sense to me um but the other thing she did this research on um more directly related to what you're talking about with asians and westerners um in terms of trying to remember what it was it was like it was like she would show them a photograph of a fish in an aquarium. Oh, I remember this research. Right, and, and the Westerners would, right. would remember the fish, and the Asians would remember what else was in the aquarium. Right. And it's sort of more of a yeah. collective. And she hypothesized that it's about rice farming versus wheat farming, because rice farming it requires more coordinated group activity right. behavior because the I guess the sowing period and the harvesting happened you know more rapidly and so everyone needs to cooperate very interesting that is super interesting yeah I love I love reading stuff like that because I'm always like a part of me you know I'm I'm like who I mean I'm so skeptical in some ways in other ways like that's just what a cool story yeah whether it's validated or not yeah it's so fascinating and I'm sure there's some yeah and a powerful some, story yeah is, that's a powerful story is really how like that's basically what we live by right yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I'm, I'm really kind yeah. of drowning in frustration right now because I'm uh, I have to send in this manuscript that I've been working on for years I know uh, man we're ready like two weeks and it's all about story, right? It's yeah. about the what I call the the Neo Hobbesian narrative, which is the the origin story of Western civilization, yeah. which I'm saying is totally mistaken and pernicious and you know horrible. But we all, everybody fucking believes it. It's right. amazing, you know. Every time I'm on Rogan, I, I run into this 
you know, he's all about, you know, nature's our nasty bitch and it's, a, you know, everything's out there once you. Nature's a nasty bitch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Someone so asked me the other day, they said, they said, he's such you, a tough dude. They said, he's if so you scared. get on Rogan, what would, what would you, if you hung out with Rogan, like, what uh, would your day be? Cause we, cause this contingent of people that I'm kind of a part of, we're always like, dude, you need to get like an actual fucking, like, you know, real leftist on your show, uh -huh. you know, like not, and, and not always just these like Twitter culture war stuff and need to break down. And I think you, you actually, I noticed cause when you, you're in that lane, in my opinion. What, but an in a actual different leftist? Way. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm to the way. left of the left. No, I, 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 to I think there's no doubt, and I'm to the left. Of, and I'm talking about, when I say actual leftist, that's really what I mean. Mm. Like, Bernie Sanders is the bare minimum. Yeah. But I met Bernie, by the way, in like 1983. Where? At Hobart. He came and spoke. That's awesome. And he said, and he looked the same. And he he said sounded the same, the same. He said the same shit. It's awesome. That dude has got some tenaciousness it's incredible Love it. or tenacity i guess is the word i think it's very interesting that there that for people those of like there's a lot of, part of why people in their 20s and 30s love him and jeremy corbyn so much is because they're like these obi-wan kenobi figures you know yeah. like everybody went out and yeah. bought into all these trash ideas and you know you had this whole third way period and all this stuff with Clinton and Blair and all of these, like right. what's going to be interesting for people is, is I'm like now it's much more trendy to have our kind of politics. So as we get older, it's, you know, the, what the disadvantage for Jeremy Corbyn and Sanders was for decades being totally marginal. Right. And then, but, but we're going to have the reverse because there's going to be a ton of lame people that have great politics now because it's, it's trendy, but that's a good problem to have. You know, it That's gets into what problem. we were talking about yeah. earlier before I turned the mics on. Yeah. Uh, and you were saying that, that if I can paraphrase you, that the, uh, the content of what people are spouting isn't as bothersome for you as the sort of, the, the sort of, I mean, to, to totally fuck it up, what, what I would say is certainty makes me uncomfortable. I don't yeah. care if you're certain about something that I happen to agree with or you're certain <laughs> about the other side. It's the certainty I don't like. We're talking about social justice warriors. and I mean, I'm, you know what it is? I would draw a distinction. I'm totally certain of that, like, as an example, everybody gets health care. I'm totally certain about that, and I have no problem that, that would be that that's just. the right thing. Yeah, that that's correct. Yeah, I'm totally certain that everybody. But are you willing? To, I mean, would you kill ten people to have that passed? I don't. I don't know. What is, I mean, that's to me that I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being honest with you. I don't. I don't. I don't right? know, and I don't even engage in thinking like that. Yeah. I, that's why I don't like Sam Harris. I find it very like thought experiments yeah. and very masturbatory. But well, but, even, but I mean, that's where yeah. certainty becomes dangerous, right? Because people are like, I'm so certain of this that I'm willing to inflict a certain amount of damage, like a, a black flag operation, to bring what is a just result for more people i mean a lot of people are doing that in the world right well now. i think there's no i mean i have a problem with that frame because i just don't think that that's mostly the challenge that we face right not but, you and me no yeah and but i think yeah i mean I th and i think yes if we're being real that certainly i mean look if you wield power that is literally the type of decision you have to make right. and that's why i think that even for people that i you know someone who like so to obama I'm well infinitely to the left of, 
I have a lot of personal respect for him and I appreciated him just as even honestly just like as literally a person holding that job just because of the yeah. human qualities that he has. Yeah. But I recognize yeah. in him, especially because I don't think he's completely out of it like, you know, we have now mm. where it's like, you know, even when he made calls, even calls that I consider to be like totally atrocious and unacceptable ones. I think there was a calculus going on right. that I could at least kind of humanly recognize, right. right? Like the occupational hazards of power. Right. And I think there's going to be people even, you know, we're going to gear up. I think we're some people that I'm really excited about. And I think are really like, I think Jeremy Corbyn is going to become prime minister of the UK and he's going to have to try to, you know, from where he's coming from his politics, he's going to be playing on a, completely different playing field it's like a soccer player going into a football game yeah the the global kind of like neo you know i wish it could sound less jargony but just literally like a global system of kind of market fundamentalism that caters completely to corporations is totally you know ideologically militarily i mean it's just completely entrenched yeah. and it's and it is almost like we're fish in water with it in the same way you talk about the neo hobbesian narrative which i think is connected mm, and that's he's definitely gonna, I, yeah i, I yeah, quote obama yeah. at his nobel prize yeah. uh, acceptance speech where he says war has been us been with us since human beings first stood on two legs and it's like and you're like bullshit that is such bullshit right but i understand where he heard it because it's everywhere everybody you know? hears that yeah i mean it's you know stephen pinker and richard dawkins and you know and go back all the way to hobbes there have been you know the pinkers and dawkinses of their day have been repeating it and it's just total hogwash but it serves the powers that be you know? And it serves our and I would and the to answer your thing earlier and this could just be like my bullshit game I'm playing uh, to 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 get away from this question but I like convictions and certainty to me are maybe potentially different things right and I don't and I feel like it's and it's so hard to right now because I feel like I always think of critiques that are like uh, pre and post in the sense of whether something's been absorbed or not. So I'll give an example. When it comes to this whole like SJW whatever uh, and, and, the, and the alt-right and this whole thing, there's one lane of people um, who I think some people do it in really bad faith, uh, uh, like uh, uh, Dave Rubin is an example. I'll, I'll use names on the show. Oh, boy. I think there's people who there do it have. in... Uh, and good, like I mean, I, but also some is literally just personality based. Like I, I disagree with all sorts of shit that Joe Rogan says, but I like Joe Rogan. I, you know, I disagree. With, I don't like Dave Rubin, right? So some of it's just personality. But no, I mean, you could, you could tell the difference. But the point is, there's this people saying, you know, all this stuff like, oh, these SJWs and they're closing down culture and debate and they're sanctimonious and they're self-righteous and it's this self-righteousness that has created this sort of like rubber band effect where there's this growth of kind of right-wing fascism and everything else I, I though i wonder sometimes like you know if you're really concerned about the reaction to sjw's then and you that's really your frame i don't know why you would give you know all sorts of credit and platforms to their exact parallel, 
right? Like even if I bought that, then I would say like, great. So what's interesting? Like, you know, Milo and all these other people—they're playing the same game that you say you don't like. So why are you interested in them? That's mm. a huge hypocrisy and blind spot there. But what's interesting to me is more like this woman, uh, Angela Nagel, who's brilliant. She wrote this book called *Kill All Normies* about the alt-right. And she makes some of the same cases, but the difference is, is that she's gone through the process, though, of absorbing a lot more of the... First of all, she is always my bias. She grounds it in a much bigger sort of economic conversation. But she also has taken the job of understanding... Like, she's actually read critical theory as an example. She actually is very familiar with sort of, you know different modes of academic discourse, which sometimes a lot of people dismiss and they want to say, oh, that's all bullshit. And it's like, no, the truth is you really just haven't read it. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a lot of people parroting these talking points on Twitter or wherever who are also idiots and annoying, but you kind of got to actually go through this stuff and, and, and take some of the lessons of it. So someone like Angela Nagel to me, and then she does come out on the other side of it and she does have a big critique of like, a certain type of, I guess, if we're using that term, yeah, the SJW culture and the emotionality and the quest for, uh, you know, purity and constantly looking to damn people. But she's also not saying, and yes, as an extension of that, you know, racism doesn't exist. And the only sexism that exists is reverse sexism. And now let's listen to all of these provocative thinkers who, you know, I mean, it's the easiest hustle in the world, you know, to be mm -hmm. like, like, I live in Brooklyn. I wear cool sneakers. I know how to do like a decent photo shoot. If I came out and I was like, hey, and also I'm a fascist, I would already be on Fox. <laughs> it's the easiest media hustle in the world. Even and easier are, if you were like a hot blonde of, well, woman. There you go. I that's mean, that's already, so that's, that's, the, that's the obvious, most obvious play imaginable. What do you think of Ann Coulter? Do you think she, I mean, I, there are some people in that world who I think are performance artists. I think she's borderline performance artist. Yeah. <laughs> Born on <laughs> BPA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, Rush Limbaugh. I remember reading, or I either read or someone told me, I don't remember. Uh, this is why I would be a horrible journalist. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Here's something else I pulled out of my ass. That's awesome. Uh, I think it might have been at a party, but so somebody went to college with him, or somebody's brother went to college, and, and really? he was like a left, you know, really? left hippie kind of college kid. Um, but super ambitious. Yeah. And he just saw like, oh, this is what's happening. There's a market for this. Right. There's a market for yelling and screaming. Or or Rogan's buddy, uh, what's his name? Alex uh, Dave Jones. Rubin. Oh, oh no. Alex yeah, Jones. Alex Jones. Uh, yeah, he's I mean, also Alex a Jones. fucking performance artist. I think Alex Jones, that's why he's fascinating. I mean, most of these people honestly are pretty boring to me. But Alex Jones is super entertaining. And part of it is because it's like, this unbelievable fusion of like, this guy is out of his mind and he's such a good hustler. Yeah. And you just have this, like the, like the joke I always did would be like, you know, if you did a segment with him, it would just be so great if he just turned over and he's just like, all right, let's leave everything on the field. You know, like, yeah. you know, he's like, my portfolio did pretty good under Obama, but he had tough conditions. I think he did a decent job. All right, thanks for coming by. And then he gets right. on, the globalist. I just, yeah. I just that part of him. Did you see when he was on Rogan? I saw some of it. He uh, cracked me up. Well, I mean, he I mean, got he's shit faced and stoned, well, which that, was really funny. That was I. I saw some of that was hysterical. Yeah. I mean, he. I went on the show right after that. 
Did you I, meet I him? was the next day. No, no, oh, it, it wasn't the day. same oh, okay. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was insane. And Joe was just like, yeah, and he's really fun. I like hanging out with that guy. Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but he's fun. I was like, yeah, but you know, he says Sandy Hook didn't happen, right? And yeah, Joe but these was like, people are all like spreading. That's the thing is they're, they're spreading poison. You well, know, that's, that's it, yeah. And this is where I think we could really delineate. It's, it's in some ways like, you know, first of all, there's a difference between somebody with a platform and somebody without a platform. And there's also just such an obvious difference between like somebody that you can disagree with or somebody that, you know, says something fucked up and you can engage with them. And then I think, yeah, there's a contingent of people out there. I would include Alex Jones in it. I would include a Dave Rubin in it. I would certainly include all of these like, you know, alt-right type of figures where it's like, you know, they're making bank off of promoting so, a totally toxic ideology. But and, what does that mean that there's a market? for self-destruction of a society. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I, I mean, I think about war profiteering in World yeah. War II. If, if it had been shown that you were charging unfair prices to the military right. for, you know, tanks that you were manufacturing, right. you'd go out of business. The yeah. country would turn against you. You're done, right? Yeah. But now we're in a place where if you're not sucking the last possible dollar out of your milica- military contract you're a you're, you're a sucker, sucker. You're, you're a loser yeah it so the the values of the culture have shifted in such a way that there's a lot of money to be made destroying it well i think that that t- the way i usually look at the world is to me is like i think that i think in a lot of ways culture does follow economics so we've you know created a world of you know where everybody's a micro entrepreneur you know certainly if you want to be in media um you have to find your market you have to find your lane there Mm. isn't a social safety net there isn't an infrastructure for doing things but more specifically for those alt-right guys i guess the way i read it is i think that there's sort of three things going on i mean one all of this stuff again that's why it's kind of funny for me from the perspective of kind of reading history the other day on my show i played a cold open of a clip of pat buchanan talking at the republican national convention in 1992 and it's like steve bannon's not some great innovator there's always been a strain of the way republican the way a base is motivated for right-wing politics not just in america but really it's a certain type of white identity politics basically and it fuses with um, you know, like appeals to tradition and and anger at elites. As long as the elite, it's not about money, it has to be like elites that are reading, education. Yeah, read books or some yeah. other bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. so and that's the game. And then I think the second part is that there is, um, you know, we're, we are coming out of this like the consequences of all of these economic policies we followed over the last several decades. If you use the two thousand eight crisis and i mean i remember i was you know i was right in that as a young person it was fucking terrifying and there were tons of people including people who you know if you were in appalachia or in deindustrialized inner cities you'd already been facing the consequences of this brutality but that that spread out and all of a sudden a lot of people who were privileged and a lot of people who did quote unquote the right things were fucked and they weren't earning as much money as their Mm. parents and they weren't um there was not a path forward for them in life. And I think that it's one of those really interesting moments where 
you're in this moment of crisis and some people are like, let me cop what Bernie's saying. Let me try to figure out the economic conditions here and see how my struggle fits into a bigger picture. And the other people are going to go, yeah, there was a time when, you know, I was a white guy and I didn't have to play anime and I could like get my dick sucked or whatever. And this is what the story that I'm being told by these guys, basically, that the connection between me not being able to get laid and Muslim immigration is paramount. And all of a sudden you have the same very old story just told in different cultural references. And then number three, in this smaller context, I think you had a bunch of, you know, if you're like a a 16-year-old kid and say you're not sort of fully sold into this stuff and your representation of what you hear as left, which I would even dispute in a fair amount of ways, is like, all right, let me go on Jezebel. Oh, okay, I'm bad because I play video games and get erections. I suck. And then these guys over here are actually saying, because I play video games and get erections, there's actually a heroic purpose to it. Mm. And, you know, and like both of those stories are totally not true. And then there's also... You know, I think there also are just serious antisocial personalities that this stuff appeals to. But I think those are kind of like the big three things. There's always been a market for it. The context is created and the conditions have pushed us where the zone of that marketplace is open significantly. And then what has been presented as left has been this horrible fusion of like, and I don't even think it's about because things like combating racism is, is actually like incredibly important and noble work. It's not even that. It's like social manner minding and sort of, you know, uh, performativity on social media about how enlightened you are fused with uh, actually really bad economic policies. I mean, yeah. it's the worst of both worlds. It's like it's like, you know, you find that. I do this horrible, unpleasant workout every day, and I found out that it's actually gaining, making me gain weight, right? Like, that's like, woke neoliberalism is like, is terrible shit. So, you know, those are, I think, are kind yeah. of like the three lanes of where we're at. Yeah. And, and, and some people, like, as I say, Angela Nagel, I think, is articulating it really well. But I see other people getting back into this, like, oh, we can't we just have a debate and be individuals? And it's like, because we're not. That's not what it is. Because we're not what? Individuals? We're not just we are individuals, but we're also communities. We're also yeah. identities. I mean, we're everything at once. You can't yeah. exclude any of these variables, and that's fine. I had an interesting, yeah. uh, well, to me anyway, an interesting thought the other day uh, about colonialism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about how the American empire has been extracting wealth from Latin America and Asia and every, everywhere it could right. get its dirty little fingers into uh, for a long time. And as that access is either dried up or, um, th- you know, empires start to run out, the, 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 the center is consuming more energy than it can possibly suck in from the periphery, right? Yeah. And that happened in Greece and Rome and... Yeah. You know, pretty much every empire. Great book, um, Brief History of Progress by Ronald Wright. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. Please text me that. Oh, man, it's it's so good. I would love to read that book. It's a really good book. He he traces the the rise and fall of pretty much every um, 
civilization that's ever existed. Not looking so hot for us right now. It's no, no. <laughs> what is going on? These mics are getting weird here. You got you all right? There you go. Okay. Because no, you're further from the. Here I can move. Yeah. I can move closer. I, I mean, you just relaxed or something? I'm as I'm a. Don't relax. I'm in a perpetual Don't state. Relax. Of, I'm very relaxed, man. Uh, what I was thinking was that we have uh, colonialism has turned inward. It's yes. like an autoimmune disease. Hundred percent. What you, what the U.S. used to do to foreign countries, we're now doing to ourselves. Yeah, because we don't have like you were saying before. I mean, there isn't. You've you've ate up a lot of resources on the periphery, and I think that you know some of like going back to the 1970s. There was this brief period, at least in the United States, but also somewhat in Europe. But I think, you know, particularly in the United States, because the there isn't a labor party here, which yeah. is a big fucking difference, and labor people better understand. Very and never, and not nearly as empowered to begin with. And yeah. if I could, if I could remove, like, if there was one cultural trope or piece of propaganda that I would get rid of, it would be like, you know, like labor unions are your friend. And also that, and I would also add that, you know, fighting things like racism is not about identity per se. It's about democracy. But being that as it may, in my, in my kind of read, starting in the 70s, there was this arrangement that kind of was in place, you know, like through the New Deal and the Great Society, which is like, we're going to have a market, but we're going to have a Keynesian thing. We're going to pump a lot of money into creating middle classes. And then I think two things happened. I think that you know, or three things. I mean, I guess it ran into some of its own problems and there was, you know, stagflation in the 70s. There was also a totally concentrated effort on the right and in corporate America to use, actually at that time, the beginning of globalization, that new wave of kind of neo-colonialization. Like, fuck that. Why would I pay you this wage when I could, you know, ship it overseas and Mm. have a global supply chain so I can kind of lower the standard? And then three... And this is where the culture backlash and the race stuff really matters because a lot of what the civil rights movement actually was, there were two chains of it. One was the things that a lot of people know and were obviously, you know, vitally important, like voting rights and, you know, basic like civil rights and ending American apartheid. But you go and look at like, you know, A. Philip Randolph and the name of the March on Washington, March for Jobs and Justice. Mm. It's basically People like King and Randolph and Baird Rustin being like, not only do we need, you know, full and equal civil and human rights, you guys sort of have a social democracy going on now, and we've been excluded from it. Mm. Specifically in the New Deal, when you know people of color were excluded from things like you know social security and a lot of the labor protections. Um, you know, not specifically, but you know how the bills was crafted. It mm. excluded like sharecroppers and right. jobs, where it was like right. you know. So, so you and then the Republicans, and I think this is the way right wing politics always works. Is it's like well, it. It only benefits an incredibly small amount of the population. So if you need to energy what does right wing policies, oh, right? Oh, like I if you're that. literally like our policy set is throw a rich guy a tax cut, help him export jobs overseas and probably make it easier to pollute and fuck your school over, what's the incentive for you to vote for us? It's it's gotta be cultural politics. It has to be. Right. That's the kind of irony to me too in some of the modern discourse. And it isn't to say that there aren't plenty of like 
dumb when social cultural politics you're trying anti-gay anti-gay anti-black white identity politics right. you know identity right. that's the thing is that i i have a, totally have a critique of identity politics across the board but a lot of people on like reacting to sjw's talk about it like white identity politics is the original identity politics right, right? like the that's strategy. it's the southern strategy yeah. so you get this pol- this fusion of hacking away at the slight advances that had happened and then the way we're going to do it is you know is just basically recolonize re-internally colonize you know people of color and try to exclude them from the process and i think now now we're at a phase where it's like it's it's fascinating because they're just like go for broke with everybody yeah and and kind of see if this new trade-off works like we'll we'll really get even more vicious with regard to you know i mean if you read spend a day that reading about what's happening to like with ice and immigration it, it gets hard to hear people bitching about twitter yeah. fights one way yeah. or another yeah. when you know people like i have a friend who's a fucking immigration lawyer in yakima washington and you just spent like i was out hiking with him recently we were spending some time together just a half hour of his stories yeah it's just all this other stuff just pales in comparison to that kind of human cruelty man it's it's really do you think that the the nation state i I think of the nation state as being like uh the you know chelsea or man U or the vikings or the packers it's it's a fiction that's being used to 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 just hold our attention while the real business goes on up in the boxes it so so this idea of like you know the american government is doing this or doing that i i kind of feel like it doesn't you know the zap is great line the politics is the entertainment division of the industrial military industrial complex I've definitely i've definitely heard that line yeah. i and, like that line i mean it's it was funny the first time i heard it when reagan was president but now now it's a little bit less funny a little, a little, funny. little bit not Mom. quite as funny that's right Mom. wow that was a really interesting quote now I'm gonna go try to fuck my daughter <laughs> I thought you were doing Reagan my, my mediocre oh, Trump impression I thought you were doing Reagan oh Reagan yeah, that's that's Reagan Reagan is yeah you don't no I can't do I have Trump's essence but I don't have the voice you have his essence I know yeah the, I get, the I get in, Trump. incest essence I, I, dude, I, I am a total forerunner. I've been making Trump incest jokes for a very long time. His daughter's hot. You got to give her that. It's I. And she I, is so totally not my thing. No, I'm not even. I'm not even posturing. I'm not into it. But I mean, there's a certain. I, I have Man, to you've admit, been into New York. His I mean, daughter's I not a, like strikingly in a New York context. There's a lot of beautiful. Well, oh, women there are beautiful in New York. women yeah. everywhere. But there's there's something about like a super uptight woman that that. It's like there there are certain guys who see a frozen waterfall and they want to climb it. You know? Okay, so uh, Chris, <laughs> t- tell me more about that. It's like I, I can melt that. I think I can melt it. It's a challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. Enough of that. I got in trouble talking about Megan Kelly one time. Uh, oh my god! Uh, of course you like <laughs> Megan Kelly. Jesus Christ! But, I mean, they're not they're not my type. I just I I uh, there's something about like getting behind the facade that I find interesting yeah, when the I facade is that, that intense. Haven't you spent time with people like that? that I mean, w- women like that or even, you know, the, whatever, like the, the analog, like I feel like behind the facade, there isn't much either. Like I remember I, I, and I'll I, tell you I, some stories I, later. Yeah. 
I've, I've made the same move. I guess you made it better than me. I found the right. behind. Lucky, yeah, right, I right. think you lucked I, out. I got behind the curtain and there was somebody there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we, but we, we veered off. You were in college no, studying in college, international right. relations. I studied international relations. I and, studied in and Turkey. And then what happened? What happened to your, like, I'm going to be president ambition? Or are you still working on that? Oh, I have, I think by the time this is all over, I will either be like a, a, a senator or president, or I'll be like doing my, uh, my show from like a boat in Trinidad or something. Okay. Well, those, are, <laughs> those are two good options. Those are two, yeah. Plan A and plan B. Yeah. So, well, no, I don't know. I don't remember me I, in either case. Oh, totally, yeah. man. No, I don't think I don't think so much about the pol- the politician thing anymore. But I, I so I graduated. I did a bunch of other stuff, man. Which I'll just kind of like I, I ran an arts nonprofit with some friends of mine for a while, where we produced festivals, mm. and I did stand up at the time myself. I did stand up and sketch writing. Um, this really funny sketch actually I remember I, I don't know if I, it's a friend of mine he's actually out in LA uh, he's he's doing pretty well here we did this thing where uh, it was a a tobacco company hires a PR firm to rebrand cancer so they need to get to the heart of their brand problem right it's not like you know smoking cool it, it was all like we need cancer itself to that be, needs to be yeah, cool. that's what needs to be cool. So we right. did a chain of ads of like, you know, this family has reconnected because of cancer. Right. We had uh, this kid, <laughs> we had him in a skateboard and like a, a hospital gown and the girls big, like he's so hot. <laughs> like the chemo. Oh, care of him. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, so that was a fun. And What's then your sign Sagittarius. I'm a cancer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cancer is cancer. my favorite. Yeah. I think we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of like, yeah, I'm not really into that. I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Too so, cool for cancer. Yeah. yeah so that was, yeah. that was a lot of fun. And then I, I did some, some brand work. I taught meditation in You're Boston. Brand, wait, wait, you can't just go over brand work like it's nothing. You went to the dark side there. Well, what brand work? Dude, it was not... The Who only, were you branding? So the only real deep story with it, it wasn't that it was... I was living in New York. I had graduated from college. I was living um, with a girlfriend at the time. She was in graduate school at Columbia. And she was actually... She she was... She was... She was... She was yeah, she was very cool, actually. She's a good person. I, she's one of me. One of the things I resent when I listen to your podcast is Uh-oh. how cool you seem to be with so many of your exes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't talk to her. Fuck that. So, <laughs> That's why Facebook exists, man. Yeah, no, no. I, but I don't want to. It's fine. They can, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I'm but uh, No, I'm like, all my exes are That's are awesome. Friends. But I mean, that means, you, so did, that means be? you did them better. What, you did, did the you, relationship did better. Did you dick these women over or something? I, you know, I think I think uh, if I'm uh, probably both of us. Like I, I wasn't. I mean, well, you were young. You were I was learning. young. I was yeah. totally not equipped to do those things. And yeah. she was the only. I, I don't. I again. Well, nobody knows her name, but I just would say like, she was the only serious ex. Yeah, you know, I've had plenty of girls that I've you know slept with or whatever, but that's a totally different thing. We lived right. together. We were a couple. Right. Right. And I remember, like, several years ago, like, we had been broken up for a while, and I just sent her, it wasn't, it was not, it wasn't like a long, I just sent her, like, hey, you know what, I totally see the ways that I screwed up, I'm sorry about Mm. it, I hope life is great, and she was like, 
you know, I totally see the way that I screwed up too. Right. And I hope your life is great. It was, it was beautiful. It was that's actually, great. it was like yeah. such a, you know, it was like, wow, that's so beautiful that people can be like that. So yeah. we were living there and I kind of got it. There's a lot of paths, a lot of times in my path where I'm, I'm sort of like on paper doing the more responsible thing, but it's really less responsible than just pursuing what I actually wanted to do, hmm. where I have in fact found the most success, hmm. which is really interesting to me. But I, uh, so you're doing what you think you should be doing versus really just like, Hey, this is what I really want. And right. then in fact, when I really want, even though it quote unquote looks more risky is apps. It's like, you know, cause like at this point, I mean, there's a ton more for me to do, but it's like, Hey, I've been at this for a couple of years and I've, I've, done well i'm proud of the work i do i have a really good community and you know it's like it's paying bills like that's amazing you know and i'm really serious about it your main thing i know you have your own show now yeah mm -hmm. and you were together with or i still, still are co together. i co-host majority report with right. sam cedar every day and five five days a week that's online that's a it's another online YouTube show youtube podcast uh -huh. and then there's also its own it's it's pre-patreon but there's also like a you know members based right. bonus content system and then i have my own uh and my own show michael brooks show right. which you've been on and that's that i mean i launched in august and already have like over a thousand patrons cool. so that's that's that's, fantastic. that's cooked really well and i've yeah. you know and i was laying the groundwork for that for a right. while i mean the, the amazing thing like what i learned from sam and majority report and i will loop back to brands in a second is that and especially in the time we're in now it's like you know the numbers matter but if you can build like like the people that i in my community and what i'm so honored by like my patrons and people like that. I mean, they are fucking like, they're there. They're not like, oh yeah, I follow that guy. Mm. I'll check it out occasionally. They are, you know, really committed. And also, you know, in most cases, like totally interesting, cool, smart. I learn from these That's people the all the time. So, I get so cool. way yeah. better yeah. because of the feedback they give right. me. I mean, it's just... It's so like it's, having a thousand grad students who are helping you with your research and sending totally. you stuff. Yeah, it's there was, totally. uh, and you discover too that even there's other ways in which like I'm the grad student because yeah, it's like oh, you know right, what I mean. Right. I do a show and right. somebody's like, "Hey, you did a good job." I happen to be, you know, like an attorney that specializes yeah, in that. Exactly. Here's some other things. You're like, "Shit, man, thank you." That's, you know, it's, yeah. Amazing, yeah. It's, there's, there's some. I forget who it is. There's some branding dude, bald. He's got a shaved head. I can remember. Seth Godin. Like. I guy. think so. Who talks about how it's better to have a, your tribe. a tribe of a thousand, you know, enthusiastic people than a million who are kind of tuned in. My friend Ben. Yeah. I'll, I'll shout yeah. my friend Ben Bash out, who is another one of these guys who actually I've become. I mean, really, just sort of proper friends with. Uh, and he's a he's a tech guy and we were having talks several months ago about kind of laying out my next moves. And he was like, dude, I have no doubt you have your own tribe and you're ready to launch your own show. Mm -hmm. And so it reminded me of right. that terminology, right? The tribe. Help. Yeah. 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 And I think it's true. And, and, and you're right because it's not just, it's not just money and how much, you know, money you can make. It's, it's that, that, community makes the experience really different it's you're not totally talking into different. a void you're talking to people who talk back who who 
respond and you know it's so cool and, and are mostly awesome yeah. well like, that's it i mean really good awesome people. because if they you know if they weren't your sense right. often awesome yeah they're mine yeah well yeah but even even but i feel like or or maybe because of how it is and when you and that's another really funny thing about social media is that okay you know there are there is a lot of like garbage but i've had some people who go at me and then i'm just and my modes are like either complete, like, you know, I'll, you know, I can give as good as I get. Or mm. if I feel like there's a kernel, or if you've said something that I think is genuinely entertaining, then I'll kind of engage with you a little bit. Right. A lot of people are so, like, they can go from, like, you know, total dicks to completely disarmed by right. just, like, a little bit of engagement, right. a little bit of humanity, you know. Yeah. So I think that, so... I was I was in New York with this ex girlfriend. I was and I thought to myself like, hey, you know, I I studied international relations. I have a good degree. I I ran this arts nonprofit. I've done this I've entertainment stuff. I've you know, I've done meditation. So, what is it in? It seems like everybody, at least in New York, who kind of like is sort of a creative but wants to like make a living, they go and work in advertising and brands, right? So it's like, okay, let me, you know, figure this out. And I mean, it was real. I mean, I freelanced, I did some contracts. I did, I actually did one, a lot of work with a, a people that were mainly based in San Francisco. And ironically, they were like totally clean. Like, you know, they did like web design and they wanted to build out a strategy practice and all their clients were like, you know, Amnesty International and stuff like this total liberal do-goodery. Right. I ended up working and I won't even, you know, this was like, I actually did sign super intense NDAs, but I, I got, I were, I got brought in on a project where I learned my limits of what I was willing to work for. Mm. And I think that it's funny you mentioned earlier, I think, to be honest with you, in service of things that I'm convinced about or I believe in, I'll throw a lot of jabs that I have no problem getting into the dirt. But the idea of like turning my mind and my talent and my energy and my over to something that I just fundamentally thought was harmful. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me sound super precious because I feel like tons of other people do it all the time. But for me, I just felt sick. Yeah. It wasn't even like a big like, oh, I can't do this because it was like, the truth was I totally should have fucking done it. it you know, the, there, there was a, a lane there to like, very you know big success and 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 i just totally crashed out of it i mm. couldn't do it i was i just i would i would have good ideas and not say them i mean like even on that level right i just was like oh, i just uh, i don't feel great about this and, I, and it mm. was and i say it wasn't a big egoic morality tale it just was it just like my stomach didn't feel right didn't mm. sit right with me it was a consumer products it was in the uh, in the energy sector. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Right. BP, we're the environmental oil company. Right. We right. have green leaf on our motto. And it was just, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was yeah. like in my spare time, you know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm hanging Exxon. out with radicals. I, you know, I read Gramsci. I go do yoga. <laughs> I mean, right. it's just not, it's not who I, I mean, it was partially who I am. I like, I like, I liked, I like, uh, I, what I like about that world is how on top of it people are in some ways. Mm. I love how wired in people want to be with culture. I mean, I, I also, I have a third show, which I co-host from time to time called Two Dope Boys in a Podcast, which all takes place in that like trend space and what's happening in 
how is how are things moving in in you know in sports and culture and music and I like that part of it, but mm. ultimately it also you know I'm also I guess I'm also pretty radical. It's like you know at the end of the day, everybody's got to make money and pay the bills. I'm not puritanical at all, but this can only be so cool if the end product is you know like a nifty ad or some user experience for some whatever. I mean ultimately that's not that ain't that cool or provocative. Yeah. That's just more consumer goods at the end of the day. Yeah. So I I went back and I I I crashed out and I had a terrible year. I had a breakup and I I did a I went I did a lot of meditating. I did a lot of that. I did a lot of yoga. Got it got really strong on my my hippie shit. And I went back to New York uh and it was terrible, you know, also I should say like my family has no, you know, this, none of this stuff is particularly cushioned. There's no like, oh, well, it sucks, but I'll go to the big house or whatever, you know, there's, it's all totally to the bone. And, um, I ended up going back to New York and I thought I'm going to take a journalist internship and I applied to graduate school and I did the internship and it was, you know, it was nothing, it was fine, whatever. I happened to meet Sam after I had gotten accepted to graduate school to go to London School of Economics. It was the only place I applied to. And uh, Following in Mick Jagger's footsteps. It, I would totally not going to lie to you and say that that was 20, 30% of it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of people, man. Michael Manley, that's a Jamaican prime minister uh, I admired. Uh, Mick Jagger. I liked, you know, I, I have some of that, you know, I like the... I, I was I I dated some like you know like British Pakistani woman you know I was I could see having a very good time there and right. getting a fancy degree right and I I and Sam gave me an offer to produce his show and you know I'm sure he'll break my my balls about it I mean I was I I was a fine producer <laughs> but I subbed for him when he had a kid mm. and my role just started to change on the show. Mm. And I'm also, you know, I'm an impressionist. Most of my impressions are better than the Trump impressions. So that would, <laughs> that would, that kind of laid in. Yeah. No, I believe and, you. And I believe shit. you. That's fine. Um, they're great. Yeah. It's true. I'll bet they're, I'm not they're really incredible. No, they are. I'll bet they are. Well, you would know if you listened to my show. <laughs> so <laughs> I so heard, I, I heard you do, what did I, the, the Nelson Mandela. You I heard, heard the Mandela. I heard, I heard the right wing Mandela. Have you heard yeah. Nation of Islam Obama? I don't think so. That's my favorite. That's probably my favorite one. It so is that like sure. a Farrakhan? Obama? What I it was sort of basically that because people either impersonate Obama. What I notice is they either do like a straight like you know. Let me be clear. I think that you know yeah. uh, people are monogamous. Gross, you fucking perverted hippie. <laughs> or yeah, right. Or they, or they do like you know. Secretly, he's like you know all pissed off, right? Well, the the anger translator, like the anger the translator. Although right. that was a cool thing because they kind of that was interesting because they split the difference, and so that was clever. But my thing was that what if it was all just like he was just like a like some type of like you know nation of Islam like Yakubian devil, but in the like you know the arc of history is long, but uh, it bends toward Sharia. And here's the nature of the devil, you know, like can't be mad at him. Pig grafted in claves. But uh, over time, you know, and every once we did a segment once where it was like, you know, like, well, people say that you just didn't 
accomplishments. And it's like, well, if you look overall at the reduction in white birth rates, the elimination of the devil doesn't take place overnight. These things take time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's the other thing. Is that there's a lot of these. You like, got more done. Yeah. No. Oh God, that would have been beautiful. The thing about him, you know, and I, I think you and I probably both find ourselves hoist on the petard of uh, liking Obama, but being uh, disgusted by a lot of stuff that happened. The yeah. Deportations. 100%. And the, yeah. You know, the drone strikes and not just all the, you know, the, the, the. Um, sort of cementing into place the the spy state and the, yep. the surveillance state and the executive power and all the rest of it. Yep, um, exactly. But the thing is, I agree with you. I think he is a good guy because you can't fake the love that his wife and his daughters have for him. No. You know, it's like it's like an asshole. You can always tell an asshole because his dog is miserable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because his dog's not going to lie. They don't know how to lie. And little kids are like that. And I think you can just see, I mean, you look at Melania and like, come on, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you look at Michelle right. and like, that's a strong, smart, dignified woman right. who loves that dude. Yes. And she wouldn't if he were not what he's, pre- if he were pretending, you know? So what, but ultimately that breaks my heart because it means even if through incredible luck and machinations and stars aligning we get a really smart really cool really decent person into the white house it won't fucking matter yeah because there'll be some asshole like mitch mcconnell who will just shut it all down and play dirty and the decent person won't won't respond in kind because they can't and still be a decent person i think that i mean i think that that's like my only like 2% where I see it slightly differently is that part of the problem with Obama is it's like, and I'm not comparing him at all, but there was this great line. It was very funny in his sort of sociopathic way. But Tony Blair had this great line once. And I have this like, I know he's horrible, but I've, he's an interesting guy to watch, mm. right, is how I'll put it. And he had this, and I, but I, and I did a, a, an illicit history of the third way, which is part of the Patreon content I give for my patrons. I do illicit histories. So like Jamaican gang warfare and politics and Silicon Valley fascism. And, mm. and so I did one on the third way, which is what, you know, Clinton and Blair and that 90s kind of centerizing the left thing was. And Blair had this speech one year where he was talking to his party, to the Labor Party. And of course, there's always a lot of anger at him because he was so right wing. And not even to mention when he, you know, invading Iraq and just really horrible. But he had this line, which was such a bastard line, but it was so great in some ways because he's like, he's kind of outlining like, you know, people say that I'm doing this because I'm calculating or people say I'm doing this because of what, you know, because I want these people to win plot, you know. And he's like, he's like, the news is even worse. I actually believe this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and I think the trouble with Obama is I think that the other part of Obama that I found so re- recognizable is I think he's a great guy. I think he's a smart guy. I think, you know, all the things we talked about. I also think he's an incredibly familiar person. If you've been to any type of remotely elite college. Ambitious. If ambitious smart and really bought into see as much as i wanted to be i couldn't um for whatever reason and i think it had to do with some of those real radicalism in me that started when i was much younger and 
and and then also what happened in the recession but it was like as much as i tried i just at the end of the day i just didn't think that like the new york times editorial page and research that came out of harvard was sort of like the be all end all of what humanity had to offer and mm. i look at somebody like obama and i think that for all of his brilliance he really was not a context questioner he does think mm. the people on Wall Street are super clever and savvy right. and everything. Right. He might, he might. I'm sure he has better ethics than them. He might prefer that they be more conscientious. He might even understand that they need to be regulated a little. He's bit. not radical. No. He doesn't. He's not radical, and I think not radical either in a political sense or even just like in a. Hey, I want to know why Chris uh, Ryan says that the neo Hobbesian thing is bullshit. Sense, you know, because right. even if I delivered that same Nobel Prize speech. I would have at least read some freaky book that said otherwise mm. <laughs> and maybe I, you know, dismissed it or whatever. Yeah. But I, and I think that he, and I think the difference, and I think it also reflected because he literally thought politics was actually like this, this rational sort of art of persuasion. I think politics is much more really is about raw power. Mm. And so when, and, like so someone like Bernie or Corbin it's going to be incredibly hard but they're going to come in and they're going to say fuck even Mitch McConnell I want to do something that 80% of people here don't want to do and the only play we have is if I have an incredibly mobilized populace along right. with me to give everybody to get health care for everybody to break up oligarchy to break up banks I mean the you know to take on and seriously deal with the criminal justice system and the systemic racism and by the way actually in addition to the systemic racism even just the overall like i mean one of the stories about policing is like way too many people are killed about police by police it's absolutely disproportionately represented racially but there's also i mean these guys are way too violent period yeah <laughs> and way too many people are in jail period right so anyways i'm going on a tangent but i think that he he actually even had that. That's this, another amazing tra tragedy. He could have ran that experiment, potentially. He did have this enormous public devotion. He did. And he yeah. folded it up into like, and he understands it on some level. He is a community organizer, but he folded it up into like, you know, you know, send an email and send a contribution. Yeah. And it might not work, but the experiment that people like Sanders and Corbyn are talking about is we're going to go up against stuff and we're going to see if a C at the bottom is still strong enough to counteract the other shit. We don't know the answer to that, but it well, hasn't been run as an experiment well, yet. What do you think about the political system in this country? I yeah. mean, we know the Electoral College is, is a corrupting influence and, and uh, gerrymandering and all that. I mean, it's the, the it's set, it's, it's, what's the word? It's, um, uh, the deck is stacked, right? Right. Uh, for, for the, conventional powers that be but like even like the fact that they're not looking into the russian influence on the voting and the the hacking of voting machines and the debald or whatever that company is that like refuses to open up their security oh, yeah. Have they been around for a while right yeah, They've been going around yeah. For a while. um 
I, I mean, I'm, I despair. I, I, I feel like the political process is not, it's totally corrupted by money and yes. all this gerrymandering. But beyond that, I kind of feel like I don't even believe that the numbers of votes coming in are oh, real. Oh, okay. So you're at that point. I'm at that oh, point. Oh, fucking A. Yeah, I mean, so I don't. Weird to be the less I, I don't cynical person believe, in a conversation. Oh well, welcome to my fucking well, dark it. world. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe Wisconsin, Ohio, and Michigan vote tallies. You know, yeah. they're finding ten thousand votes thrown in the garbage. They they shut down the polling stations in black neighborhoods. Oh well, see, that's it, the thing I would say. It's insane. Well, there's no doubt about. It. I mean, look, yeah. there has been. Uh, this is another thing. Like, I just I just would invite people in that con- and, looping back just for a second. That whole like Twitter SJW conversation is relevant in some ways, and there's totally valid criticisms of people engaging that kind of shit. In fact, I actually think first and foremost for people with my kind of politics and our kind of politics, because it actually is like, you know, we do want justice and it should be represented and branded in the right way. But I would just say like, yeah, let's get back to like, there were uh, black voter disenfranchisement is a prime vehicle of the modern Republican Party. They, the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act a couple of years ago, yeah. and all of these ID laws and everything else is designed to make it much more difficult for you even know, having after, no, no even national the, holiday. What the fuck are you what doing? The fu- well, they don't want they don't I mean, want working people to vote. They don't want working people to vote. No. And I mean, if you look at this war on immigrants, I mean, it's yes, it's it's racism and it plays well to the base. It's also totally strategic. Do you want Texas to start looking like Colorado or Arizona because of migration? It's no. going to happen anyway because of reproductive rights. I think that that's, well, <laughs> they got some opinions on that as well, right? Oh. But I think that like... Well, you'd think they'd want... a. Yeah, yeah, on oh, the anti-abortion. Well, they, well, you know, but yeah, I mean, I don't even. The next, you'd, thing you'd think they'd want poor people to have access to abortion. Well, they don't. Fewer voters. That's true, but they, they do think of they do they they're they're committed. It's like they're pro-life until like the life actually arrives. Yeah. <laughs> then they do everything else yeah. to to make uh, life suffer. But but yeah, man. I mean, I. I mean, I feel like to some extent, my cop out is like pessimist of the intellect, optimist of the will. Mm. Like, what the fuck else are we going to do? You know, like, you know, you got to engage in some of this shit somehow. Mm. And God, I mean, I because I and I also think there are some people that don't. And I would include myself in this at certain points in my life where it's like I didn't have the luxury of cynicism. Mm. And there's plenty of people who are, you know, completely, I mean, the people we've been talking about, right, who are like these kind of, so, but like, why would somebody trust our political system? It is completely destroyed by money. It is also totally antiquated. It's insane we have an electoral college system. Uh, There is a party who's systemically trying to, you know, suppress people's votes. I mean, it's all true. And Rupert Murdoch, real. Is, you know, hand in yeah. hand with the he's and a, Silicon he's a, Valley. Yeah. How would the world look different if Noam Chomsky had charisma? Wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> that is such an interesting question. With the world, you didn't think he was a charismatic guy? <laughs> I, I mean, there's I, a character right there, charismatic Noam Chomsky. 
there's your. I your was next gonna think impression. of it. It almost. I would think of it. It would have to be like a sort of like Howard Stern style. Yeah. You know, like Robin. Robin. <laughs> yeah. Get Robin. You see what's happening in Laos. It's a war crime. You see, Laotian chicks are so hot. They're so hot. They're so hot. They're hot, Robin. They're hot. Justice gets me hard. I couldn't even. I can literally. I used to. Well, like, because yeah, or like scumbag Amy Goodman is funny. Well, but. Amy Goodman is another one. Like, I, I, I agree with her. I think she's really smart and deep enough. She's so boring. She's so <laughs> Go easy. Boring. I don't she's know. smug and oh I'm not gonna agree with smug I mean I'm not I don't say I, I just smug. mean her face her delivery I don't say I, smug I, I don't she's I mean, doing Amy, a Walter she's doing a Walter she's a huge fan I'm sure you're she's a doing good a, person yeah, she's doing a Walter Cronkite impression I feel like yeah, someone points this out to me. She's doing. She's trying to do straight, straight news. She's yeah. trying to do straight news. But she's it's trying. too straight, and it's it's out of it's out of step with the time. I got to move see, your face a little. Bit. I agree with that completely. But do you think that there was a period of time when there was such a cultural like? Look at you, fucking moron hippies! You don't want to like burn Vietnamese people alive, and you think that women should be able to work. You guys I do, are, so, but it was you guys 50 are years ago. No, man. but I'm saying that there was such a a backlash of calling you guys like children and immature right. and all yeah, this, so yeah, that so yeah. that there were certain people that I think that I wonder if people like Amy Goodman and I don't want to speculate about her specifically because you know, I don't I have no idea, but I feel like they were like, well, no, it needs to be serious. Like yeah. these ways of being and values, but boring and serious are not the same thing, and that's a mistake that uh, so I many agree. people make. I agree. You I know, agree. You can be entertaining and serious as cancer. Well, dude. The best kind of cancer. Yes, exactly. The good cancer. The good cancer. The dope cancer. Well, dude, I mean, that's what I think that, I mean, that's definitely what I'm a part of. Yeah. Right? Like, there there is this whole ecosystem. I mean, there's my show. There's, I mean, Sam's, you know, Majority Report, I think, carried this. But then I think there's this whole, I mean... Chapo Trap House, Jacobin. There's all. There's this whole room. You mentioned the Young Turks. You, you go I think the Young Turks are part of this. Yeah. I do. I go on them. Do you know Malcolm? I don't know Malcolm. Producer Malcolm. I don't know Malcolm Fleischman, Fleisch, Fleischner. I don't know him. Fleischner. I'm pretty. Um, I mean, I've met. I've hung out a little bit with most of the main people in my kind of main sort of like my my tyt bromance is with ben mankowitz oh, i, I like know, that yeah. dude he's one of their co-hosts uh, he also does turner classic movies oh nice. he's a cool guy i just right. you know he's also a, a kind of like well he wouldn't like this but he's literally an elder he's like i just learned yeah. from you know watching people do their thing well and yeah. obviously it's helpful when it's in my field but i think that there's but there was something that started and the difference that i would say and i i'm you know associated with and will go on tyt but i think that this that this thread of, of people that i'm involved with are actually a bit more radical mm. so it's it's more um and and really entertainment oriented mm. like i want to do like i want to do shit that's like really funny yeah. and also incredibly smart right. and on point and and so I yeah I mean if Noam Chomsky was charismatic yeah I think it would be a slightly different place I do we should like get you and another impressionist to do uh, like Noam Chomsky and Henry Kissinger in conversation that would be the most boring conversation ever <laughs> <laughs> two really interesting guys but like you can't hear either one of them the sound men would be going crazy I've heard off. Behind the scenes, Kissinger is, you know, 
kind of a wit, but I can't. There's a guy that I can't. I can't get into my empathy mode. With. Right. I mean, he's a fucking war criminal. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. totally amazing that as a culture, we're like. I remember I was on a panel once, and some guys just like, oh, you know. And this was also just honestly, I don't. I don't remember the guy, so it's easier for me to say this was just a, such a boring fucking point he was trying to make to begin with. But we were talking about some some outbreak and you know, the Middle East or something. He's just like, oh, I wish Kissinger was around and he had a pot of coffee on because this is above my pay grade. And I was like, first of all, yeah, I was like, it is because you're a moron. <laughs> and secondly, like, what do you mean? Your answer is like, kill yeah. some kids in Cyprus or something. Right. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, you, this is really the kind of, and I've read Kissinger. I've enjoyed, I read his book on China. It was a pretty funny book to read. It got very squirrely when it got to the parts that he was involved in. <laughs> bet. But it was fascinating. Yeah. It was fascinating. All right. My wife is, is stuck at Starbucks waiting for oh. me. Should, should roll. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's wrap it with uh, where do you think we're going? Where do you think Trump's going to last out the term? He'll last the term. I think so? I don't think he'll get reelected. Republicans will never impeach him. And this, and I think and you actually, don't think the midterms will be... Uh, I think Democrats will do really well. I yeah, do. But not take control and, and run an impeachment I don't think that there's enough votes even if they take control to run an impeachment mm. I don't know about that is it a 60 I can think they filibuster I or an impeachment I, I'm not sure huh. I need to know the specifics how impeachment works but I think even there might be some Democrats that won't even vote for it yeah because the Democrats they're pussies you know, I, the way I look at the American political system yeah. is like the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Nationals I think there's a lot of truth to that one team is there to win. The other team is there to pretend to try. Right. Yeah. Right. So where does that leave us? We don't have a player in the game. We don't have a dog in the fight. Well, you know, I hate to... I don't like to stand for Bernie Sanders, but that's why he's really important. But he's fucking old. That I mean, dude, is he going to... I, he I think he's got another run in him, and I think that he is bringing a bunch of newer people into the game at lower so, like, levels who are running for city council right. running for state. Okay, but what about other national figures? Is there anyone that you would say can carry the fire? Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren? I like I think Elizabeth Warren's a little different. I think she's got some gen- I think at least on the economics and inequality and Wall Street stuff. But I I think though this is the other on the flip side just to get more operational with people, even if I don't personally buy like most of these figures, particularly probably not a Cory Booker because of his hedge fund relationships. But the fact that we're in a place where all of these mediocre Democrats, how all of us have to say that they support single payer health care, mm. that they're, you know, have gone from like Bill Clinton, you know, race baiting and demonizing gay people, even Barack Obama not supporting marriage equality until the second term. And now right. all of these people, you know, they, they at least rhetorically support transgender rights. Right. They're at least rhetorically talking about dealing with the prison industrial so you think complex. Bernie moved the conversation oh, there's to the no left. No question. Yeah. And I'm angry at Bernie because he didn't run to win. Right. And I wish he did. Yeah. And I'm pissed about that. But in his limited set of goals and sense of po- possibility that I think he initially started with, he beyond succeeded. Yeah. He's a national figure. Yeah. He moved the conversation. And he's obviously, I mean, I mean, it feels weird to say this because she is the first you know, nominee for a major party. But like, other than that, like Hillary Clinton will totally fade. And the two most important people out of this are obviously Trump, and then secondly, it's Bernie. Yeah, I, I mean, think those you're people right. chart. She was actually yeah. an also ran. She totally. I mean, well, yeah. the truth of the matter is that if Hillary Clinton, I mean, 
she dealt obviously with unique challenges and threats and sexism. She also had advantages because of people wanting the historical opportunity. And if she was, you know, a dude, she'd be like Mike Dukakis or something. She's not a particularly, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I think unfortunately, like, you know, Obama got to overcome all the racism in this country because he was like the most talented politician of generations in order to overcome all the misogyny you're probably going to need to have somebody who's like really, yeah. really good at that shit. And so here and we are not. criticizing him for not being as radical as we would like. But if right. he were even a touch more radical, he probably never would have made it. Because that would have, you know, the Bill Ayers thing would have blown up much bigger. Well, it depends on what issues. Yeah. I think there's always a huge appetite for tons of people to, uh, to fuck with Wall Street and give them more money. I feel like people might be... I think there are social issues... Where I gotta just say, like, you know what, transgender rights, whatever, I'm I'm on board and I support people's right to be in safety and civil rights for who they are, a hundred percent. And and I think that there's that's a battle we have to have. And then I think there's a ton of people, including people that might get you know arrogantly dismissed, who totally intuitively understand that they're being fucked and uh, should get a way better deal. Uh, on economics, basically. Like, I actually mm-hmm. think the country... The, it's so. The last thing I'll say is it's so weird to me that most, when most people say center, they mean what, like, 4% of the population is. In my, right. It's like super affluent people who are kind of cool on social issues. Right? And most people are the opposite. They totally get, and in their literal day-to-day experience, get economics and how they're screwed. And And then, you know... Maybe they're not as enlightened as on social issues, although I think actually some of them are. I think that sometimes we get tripped up and like, oh, that person used the wrong word, but right. actually they're probably totally coming from the right place and actually support all of the things yeah. that need to be supported on the merits, and yeah. that's really fundamentally what's important. All right, man. I'm going to go rescue my wife from Starbucks. Did you did you drive over here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Thank you again. uh, The Michael Brooks Michael Brooks Show. Check it out online. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash/TMBS, and then Michael Brooks Show and iTunes, and it's all it's also on YouTube, on the Majority Report channel, and you know you can find me on Twitter. I look forward to having you on again soon. Oh yeah, I'll be a regular. I'll be your sidekick. Let's do it. Robin. (laughs) Aren't these Polynesian chicks? They're so hot. (laughs) They're so hot. I love justice. (laughs) I love justice. Thanks, man. Now, listen very closely, everyone. You're going to hear the sound of no fucking commercials. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day 
Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch. Why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up, but give it a rest. You're gonna die one day. Why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation? Running from a confrontation, wondering what we ought to say. When everyone we've ever known is headed for a headstone, I don't want to give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. We're gonna die one day. It's a big deal if you wanna be free. Say what you wanna feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms, and if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.